Cause we got the alternative energy right. For a nuclear free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Mirar traditional land, yes, they're the, the landowners of it and they've got a, an abiding custodial role that, that's there and these, these places are very, very powerful and special to them and as they are to a lot of people across the top end. These are like famous locations in the, in the Aboriginal cultural world. Um, but beyond that, this is Australia's biggest terrestrial national park and on that mineral lease, <laughs> it's, couldn't write this, on that mineral lease is Australia's oldest human occupation site. The date of 65,000 years, human occupation of the continent is no doubt going to be pushed back. Every time we look more, we, 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 that date goes back. Uh, that date, though, 65,000 years, is from the Mujadebe site, which is well, maybe two, 300 metres inside the Jabaluka Mineralese. So national, international heritage significance on top of, you know, you want uranium mining in our biggest national park, you know, into the wetlands of Kakadu, upstream of Aboriginal communities. No, people still don't want that. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela and today from Jabaru on the lands of the Mirror, we're joined by Justin O'Brien, the CEO of the Gunjaitme Aboriginal Corporation, whom he has been working closely with for over 20 years, since connecting with the Mira people during the Jabaluka campaign. Many listeners will be familiar with this incredible, successful campaign, led by Mira traditional owner Yvonne Margarula, that drew support from across the continent and the world culminating in a massive blockade of the site in 1998, where over 500 people were arrested in the course of an eight-month-long blockade. ERA, Energy Resources of Australia, were forced to stop mining on the site, and in 2003, rehabilitation works commenced on the Jabaluka site, and in February 2005, the Jabaluka Long-Term Care and Maintenance Agreement was signed, giving the traditional owners veto rights over future developments of Jabaluka. The mining lease is still owned by ERA, the company that has also been operating the range uranium mine on Mira country within the Kakadu National Park since 1980. After 20 years of operation, the mine finished processing ore in January 2021 and the work of rehabilitation has begun. But with a huge and ever-growing clean-up bill to do this work, not enough funds set aside, the financial problems that ERA faces has led to conflict between major shareholder Rio Tinto and independent members of the company board and shareholders that has erupted into the public sphere in recent weeks. Mira that have long opposed the mine and believed their wishes were being respected were shocked to have the spectre of mining at Jabaluka raised again. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for joining us on the Radioactive Show. Now, you're 
the CEO of the Gunjaitme Aboriginal Corporation. Can you start by telling us how you first got involved? I um, was working for um, Victorian Senator Lynn Allison, um, and you know I think one of the first or second policies of the Australian Democrats, a former party known as the Australian now demised Australian Democrats, was this early policy was um, against the export of uranium, uh, against uh, the the mining and export of, Euro- of Australian uranium. So they, as a party, had always had a strong interest in supporting the Mirror traditional owners in their opposition to the Jabaluka mine. Uh, and um, I guess I, my interest was first ignited by uh, seeing uh, Bradbury's film Jabaluka. Um, and uh, I reached out to the, to the corporation on behalf of the senator and um, got to know Yvonne and Jackie and, and the others who were heading up the campaign against Jabaluka. And we did a lot of parliamentary work for them including uh, you know matters of public importance speeches and questions without notice to the then environment minister robert hill um, and uh, of course a 1999 senate inquiry jabaluka the undermining of process um, we secured the vote of brian harradine and got an inquiry up um, about jabaluka um, and then i uh, i met most of the mirror in, in all pl- of all places in paris I was there for the Democrats attending the extraordinary session of the World Heritage Committee to decide whether or not Jabaluka should, uh, Kakadu should be placed on the World Heritage in Danger list. Um, ultimately, it wasn't. Uh, we were there with some um, civil society NGO campaigners, people like Dave Sweeney from the ACF. Got to meet and work with Dave uh, closely for the first time. Of course, we've remained firm comrades and friends ever since. Um, and uh, not long after coming back to Australia, the Mirror said, would you like to come and work for us? I said, yes, I can give you one year. That was 22 years ago. And over that time, I've worked for other places and people, but um, Northern Land Council, etc. But most of the time has been with the Mirror. Oh, amazing. A lot of those issues that have been a big part of the story of the mirror opposition to uranium mining have come into play again with this recent release of the report that the era commissioned that put a value on the jabaluka deposit when did you first hear about the report and how did that come about yeah, well, it came about, of course, because uh, ERA, 86% owned by Rio Tinto, dramatically underestimated the cost of rehabilitating the Ranger mine uh, and how long it would take them. For many, many years, uh, you know, we've been writing to successive ministers for resources in Canberra saying that the five-year window provided for rehabilitation under the Atomic Energy Act was insufficient, that it would require a lot longer. That uh, in recent, only in very recent years, two, three, have people fully acknowledged that it's absurd. Um, and in parallel to that, uh, there's been the ex- ex- exponentially growing uh, estimate of what it will cost ERA Rio Tinto to to rehabilitate Ranger. They are not producing any uranium. That all ceased in in uh, 2021. Um, they're in active rehab mode now. 
Um, so there's no money coming in from sales of, of product. Um, they've got they've made provisions that they they have, but the cost is you know estimated now, one point six to two point two billion dollars. It's you know they had originally estimated something in the, the order of seven to eight hundred million. So uh, they to remain able to pay bills and as they arise, um, they thought to do a capital raise to raise, um, I think, in the order of $300 million, which would see them through to next year. Um, that requires that you have a value or per share that you, you know, really uh, make part of that capital raise, uh, discounted, whatever, but you need a, a value to start with. What's a, a fair and reasonable uh, value of, of an ERA share? So that required an independent valuer coming in. The valuer, the valuation company was Grant Thornton, um, and we saw the report when everyone else did, of course. Uh, what was it now? I guess three, four weeks ago. Um, and, and look, it took us back to you know the bad old days. To be honest, um, uh, not a great surprise. You know, some people have this veritable fetish and hankering for things like Jabaluka. There's a big deposit in the ground, they just think they've just, just got to be got out. It's almost in the Australian DNA. You know, we had mining before we had the criminal code here. That's absurd. Uh, and the valuer got a lot wrong, in particular, misunderstanding that it is not simply a matter of mirror opposition, which is real and which is intergenerational and which persists to this day and tomorrow, you also, there's no technically or economically feasible way to mine this thing. The access provided under the mineral lease arrangements are not long enough. There's still no technical solution as to how you would uh, process or, and indeed, where you would store any of the waste. Uh, and you know, the idea was, oh, well, this will all go underground. This massive underground, highly radioactive processing facility underneath Australia's biggest national park. I mean, go figure. Okay, well, where does the all the inert rock go? The rock that creates these great caverns underground where you're going to build this whiz-bang processing facility. Uh, that will be pushed up against the ancient escarpment. Oh, well, that's pretty. Whether it's the World Heritage Centre or the economics of all that, the time frame, none of it added up. And yet we got this valuer come in with a valuation of $1.1 something billion dollars, which still didn't really add up if you think of it, when you've got a 1.6 to 2.2 minimum billion dollar job to do at Ranger. And you know, the best you get, I mean, so we were compelled to come out and speak publicly. Yvonne was, she doesn't do much media now. She has a view that I've done all that. And why do I have to keep doing it? You know, the news cycle's lost on her. <laughs> why do we keep, you know, doing that? Um, so some of the younger generations like Corbin Majandi, he's very strong, very articulate. Young Mirai guy, be 22 or so. Um, never, never. So we had to restate that. Mm -hmm. Since then, the Rio Tinto called for the dismissal, or the, the resignations, I should say, of um, the independent directors who were representing the minority shareholders, the non-Rio Tinto uh, representatives on the, on the board. They did resign. Uh, the last thing they did was negotiate um, a funding package of around 100 mil 
for Rio to provide uh, a credit facility to ERA. And then when they secured that, they then moved on. Now, uh, we only have Rio Tinto appointed directors on the board, uh, but they have minority shareholders who need representation. Um, and I understand, well, I don't know anything more than anybody else, but surely it can't be too far away that they'll, there'll be independent directors appointed to the board. Once that happens, then presumably they'll go to proceed with this capital raise, revisit that thing. And when they do, um, the question again will arise as to the value of the company. And we share Rio Tinto's view, which now the world knows because ERA released it when they were trying to defend their position a few weeks ago, which is that, you know, Rio were advocating two cents a share. They're currently at, I don't know, 2022 or something, I guess. Uh, and, um, you know, these minorities will be in the mid, you know, the 15, 16, 17, 18 sort of, that's what they're interested in. Rio, because they don't factor in Jabaluka, because they have stood by their commitments from 2002 to not mine without the consent of the mirror, don't see it factoring in any value. So there's a lot going on. We're not through the through it yet, but, um, um, you know, we're comforted by the fact that you'd remember, hopefully, you know, up, you know, we had 68 or so percent people polled in Australia in the late 1990s against yeah. this thing. It's not just the mirror who don't want this. Australia doesn't want or need this thing. So in a sense, there's this corporate this corporate manoeuvring going on in light of, you know, this commitment in 2002 from Rio Tinto. At, and then since, since then, repeatedly at AGMs and publicly and privately, and they've come up here, they visit us, we've been in constant communication with them that they want to give free, prior and informed consent rights to the Mirror or have have uh, at Jabaluka. They, they don't see this being, it won't be their, that company to force anything. Um, and since then, of course, we've had this debacle, this tragedy of the destruction of the, the caves at Jukun Gorge in, in the Pilbara. And um, that, you know, hit home. It, if you ever, even, anyone ever doubted, how significant corporate social responsibility is in this day and age, that, that show that heads rolled, senior heads, the head of the company, no less, the CEO and people around uh, him. Uh, so, you know, everyone's minds are focused on that. We, we take comfort here at GAC and sometimes we, you know, we're, sometimes we're all always down in the weeds. You know, we're, we're looking at the legislation, the economics, the environmental impacts, the environmental science, the regulatory applications, the, the whole box and dice around Jabaluka and Rangers, much more active, of course, now. And, you know, all the socioeconomic issues that confront Mira and other Aboriginal people across Kakadu and West Arnhem. And it's easy to forget that um, you have support. And for a long time, we thought, well, we don't. People have moved on. Who would remember the Jabaluka blockade from 1998? Um, people do, but also because uh, and has climate change, you know, um, you know, overtaken uh, the people's passion or the ability for people to organise around a con concerted campaign to help the Mirar people. And I think there's and maybe that may have been half accurate for a while, but in the last year or two, we're for, and friends in the cities and towns 
like in the ACF and, and elsewhere, I think you could rally. People do care enough now about protecting the environment, about protecting Aboriginal rights. You know, we're having a constitutional discussion soon. We're having it, um, a referendum soon about the voice to parliament and all this. Um, and, you know, it's it's Australia's kakadu. It's Mirar traditional land. Yes, they're the, the landowners of it and they've got a, an abiding custodial role that, that's there. And these, these places are very, very powerful and special to them and as they are to a lot of people across the top end. These are like famous locations in the in the Aboriginal cultural world. Um, but beyond that, this is Australia's biggest terrestrial national park. And on that mineral lease, <laughs> you couldn't write this, on that mineral lease is Australia's oldest human occupation site. The date of 65,000 years, human occupation of the continent, it's no doubt going to be pushed back at, you know, every time we... Look more, we, 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 that date goes back. Uh, that date, though, 65,000 years, is from the Mujadbebe site, which is well, maybe two, 300 metres inside the Jabaluka mineral ace. So national, international heritage significance on top of, you know, you want uranium mining in our biggest national park, you know, into the wetlands of Kakadu, upstream of Aboriginal communities. No, people still don't want that. So the idea is completely absurd. It was absurd in the 90s. It, it, it remains absurd. You don't mine everything. Uh, and, um, you know, we look forward to the day when we can have a, a, a careful and responsible discussion with the major stakeholders about this being addressed once and for all and, and Jabaluka going into Kakadu National Park and being protected forever. You're tuned to the Radioactive Show on 3CR, heard across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. We're chatting with Gunjaitme Aboriginal Corporation CEO Justin O'Brien, joining us from Jabiru on Mira Country. Yeah, so uh, are those discussions sort of already underway? What is the possibility and process for that happening? Oh, I mean, I'm an internal optimist, or else I couldn't be here that long. So uh, I, uh, I think we've got a good chance. Uh, there are a lot of people in a lot of places who never want this thing done. It would be a travesty, you know. Uh, uh, and it would, in, in this, in no way is this just to lessen the impact of what happened with the PKKP people over in the Pilbara. Uh, but you know, it, it would. The sites of significance are just, it's literally thousands and thousands of rock art paintings, hundreds of galleries, hundreds of artefacts, and this occupation site, and dreaming stories that are handed down since God knows when, um, all really, really documented. It's, this is why it's high value heritage, internationally recognized heritage. Um, you know, the, these these are the sites for which Kakadu was listed World Heritage. And it just happens to be that some of these sites are inside the Jabaluka Mineral Lease. Some of these stories are in the Jabaluka, what we call the mine, well, the mine is called the Mine Valley. Um, so it's becoming increasingly, you know, the majority shareholder doesn't want to do this. The traditional owners will never cons- consent to it. 
I mean, you know, it's, it's clear that it's never going to happen. But we've got this issue with the tenement, what to do with it. Well, that brings in government and, and, and indeed a partnership between industry and government. It's been done. Uh, the Mitchell Plateau is an example in Western Australia, where, again, Rio Tinto decided not to mine. Uh, no one else could mine. And it was uh, a national park was created by the WA government um, a few years ago now. But uh, there weren't minority shareholders at play there. But that's um, okay. I mean, you know, the government needs to do the right thing by, the, by our nation and by the traditional owners here. So the process, um, well, we've got the time is ticking on that. The, the mineral lease at Jabaluka expires in 2024. Now, you, are, you either deal with the reality of it never being mined or you have some fanciful, absurd notion uh, that, that, that you could, what, renegotiate a further tenement with the traditional owners because it's land rights, it's Aboriginal land rights there. Not happening. So at some point... I would suggest in the next 12 months, we should um, expect some hopefully positive announcements from the Australian government. Right. I'm standing regarded there because I, yeah. <laughs> it's all pretty early. Yeah. What can people who are listening do to support at this stage? I think keep abreast of what's going on. People would have seen the word, you know, it's been a long time since um, Jabaluka has been so, or the, or the mining of Jabaluka so prominently in the, in the, in the media. Mm. Um, the internet was only in Australia from the early 90s. I mean, it was during the Jabaluka blockade that mobile, the mobile phone tower was installed at Jabaru. It was the best thing for all the protesters. It was, oh, look at this. We can now communicate with the outside world. Um, and so the ability to organise and resist uh, is a lot better now. And we're finding, you know, people who are lending support to us are really, really well informed. Mm. There's our website, there's, you know, Friends of the Earth, there's Conservation Foundation, um, et cetera. The World Information Service on Energy is still about wise. Um, so I think just keep abreast of things in the news because... Um, we may need to call on people to help us. We may need protest in the streets uh, down south. Uh, hopefully not. But then maybe why not? <laughs> maybe some people need to be reminded, um, uh, uh, you know, just where things are, are actually at. Keep an eye out for Yvonne and GAC in the news. Yeah. Corbin Majandi is, you know, the emerging new Mirar leader. Yeah. Um, you know, track him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there there was definitely a while there where you got the sense that, you know, the mining companies thought the opposition to uranium mining would pass with the new generations coming through. And, um, yeah, I think it must be clear to them now that that's not going to be the case, which is... It's really good to see. And I think, yeah, you can kind of see, I, I mean, reading what Willie Packer, who is really backing this idea that, of the possibility of mining Javaluka, has this whole idea also that Australia will have nuclear power and that the uranium would be used to power Australia. So it seems quite removed from the reality of what is actually going on here. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, 
He, uh, Willie Packer, he's, just to be clear, he's not a member of the IBC, the Independent Board Committee, but an independent shareholder. Okay. Um, he owns 8% of the company. Mm. He said, absurdly, said, um, oh, it's a magic deposit. It's just magic, Jabaluka. This is that fetish I'm talking about. Yeah. And we thought, well, the only magic thing here is, you know, your magic thinking that, one, you can mine this thing, and two, that his analysis of, you know, this renaissance of nuclear tech, uh, mm. well, you know, it doesn't add up. Just look at how long it takes to build these things. Look at the cost of them. Look at the fact that you can't get anything except the government to insure them. Uh, and look at the urgency with which we need to address things and how quickly countries overseas are, are finding, you know, real alternatives uh, in renewables um, for baseload power um, right now. I mean, look at Germany. They're moving forward. So, look, you know, it's, it's as if people don't want to look at the facts, some people. But he's a minority. Yeah. He's in the minority. He's got a minority view and it, it won't yeah. prevail. Yeah. And so just coming back to what is happening with the Ranger Rehabilitation Project, how is Gunjaitmi feeling about the progress that is being made on that at this point? Well, in terms of the rehabilitation itself, we're fairly happy. We have a role in the design of it, um, the Northern Land Council under the arrangements now, it's only in the recent years since the mine closure plan was released that there's a concrete uh, plan for rehabilitation. You know, we're involved in the mine site technical committee meetings, so we see a lot of the reports and a lot of the science underpinning various works that are, un are being undertaken and the plans for further works. Um, the Northern Land Council has near veto powers over um, some of the rehab, the scope of the rehab um, the frustrating thing is who's going to pay and will there be enough time? And if I take the, the second one first, so the Atomic Energy Act, quite strangely, has this arbitrary deadline of 2026 where they must leave the Ranger Project area, the RA. So access to that site ends in January 2026. Uh, so the, 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 the relinquishment of the, of the, of the tenement there um, isn't contingent upon them doing the work satisfactorily. It's this deadline. Bang! That's when you. That's when you 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 lose access. So, which you know by default means you should have everything done by then. Everything will not be done by then. And now everyone can see it. We've been saying it for decades. So the Atomic Energy Act is now before the Parliament to vary it to allow for an extended access for ERA to, on the mine site to clean it up. It's a non-mining uh, access arrangement, um, so which is good. Uh, it has the support of, of both the majors. Um, they've both indicated, um, the Labor and Liberal, that they'll support this. Um, it was referred to an inquiry. Uh, it's going through the inquiry process, and we're hopeful that this uh, will be There'll be the passage of this legislation through both houses by the end of the year to give ERA that certainty in their planning. And, and here's the segue, and, and in terms of the, you know, the raising the funds that are necessary. And there's a feasibility study out at the moment. It's a 
multi-year thing. It's quite a piece of work. A feasibility study on what the cost of uh, rehabilitating Ranger will really be. At the moment, we've just got this band. It's 1.6 to 2.2 billion, um, which is quite a step up from the 800 or so that was previously budgeted. Uh, but that's itself, you know, 1.6 to 2.2, you know, it's a bit of a, a bit of a margin, a bit, a bit of lots of scope there. So that'll be, we'll have a more exact understanding of that. We understand toward the end of 2023. So an initial period to raise funds to, to remain afloat, to get you to the, um, you know, the time when you will know what the true cost of rehabilitation range will be. And we need a funding solution by then. Now, why are we not completely mad and running around in a state of high panic? Well, because the Australian government, which originally owned half of this range of uranium mine under Gough Whitlam and was sold by Fraser, um, has the ultimate responsibility for cleaning up where ERA does not. Um, so hopefully we can get this passage of legislation done. We can, uh, you know, Rio Tinto has a pathway to identify how to fund the full cost of Rangers cleanup. Meanwhile, putting Jabaluka to bed forever. So the issue's alive, but um, again, so just if people are concerned, just keep an eye out for the news. Do a Google alert or something, you know. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on the Radioactive show. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot, hey. Thanks so much to Justin O'Brien for joining us on the Radioactive show this week. The music on today's show is Kakadu by Black Dollar Music. With the 25th anniversary of the historic Jabaluka blockade coming up next year, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from Mirror Country. Before we finish, a reminder to sign on to the Western Australian Uranium Free Charter. Western Australia is dangerously close to having a uranium mine at Mulga Rock. Mulga Rock is in the Yellow Sand Plain Priority Ecological Community in the Great Victoria Desert on Upali Upali Nurture and is home to the endangered Sandhill Dunart, the venerable brush-tailed Mulgara and it's rich with sand dunes, grass trees and mulga. The mining company Deep Yellow intend to clear 3,709 hectares of native vegetation, a license to take 15 million litres of water a day and produce 32 million tonnes of radioactive waste, which threatens the groundwater. Deep Yellow's annual general meeting is coming up in Perth on the 27th of November, so it's a really important time to show your support for the campaign and you can go to the Conservation Council of Western Australia's website. It's ccwa.org.au. You can follow the links from there or put in forward slash uranium underscore free underscore charter. That's all for today. The Radioactive Show was produced in the studios of 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation and is broadcast across these stolen lands of so-called Australia thanks to the Community Radio Network and with the financial support of Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective. To listen back to this and other shows, please visit our webpage 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive 
or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. Make peace, make love, no war. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.